0: The NBA season is heating up, and Kevin O'Connor and Chris Vernon have got you covered on The Mismatch. They discuss all the news, the trends, and transactions happening around the league. They also offer their on-court analysis and occasionally get into heated debates. Check out The Mismatch on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerMBA. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerMBA right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. Arby's better not catch you slacking on snacking with their new two for five dollar chicken wraps and your choice of ranch, barbecue, honey, mustard and a bonus flavor called Incredible Value. You can't taste it, but boy, is it sweet. Arby's two for five dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. And we're back with a Mad Hooper. I'm here with Tyler, a.k.a. Dragonfly Jones, and he's really mad. I'm trying to figure out why he's mad, because he just got the stimulus package, um, the, the Colin Cowhort stimulus package for Jenkins and Jones, and
0: um, he's doing really well. Tyler, why are you so mad? I'm going to tell you why I'm mad. I'm here to hate on injuries today i know injuries are quote-unquote a part of the game but man they are the most <laughs> trash part of the game this weekend, we saw mvp front runner and the rookie of the year front runner both go down with injuries brown with a high ankle sprain uh lamella with the wrist, and i'm just over it bro i'm over it. the mvp race that i think most of us had is like you know three guy race you know Braun and mb neck and neck Jokic not too far behind that shit is dead now bro and and it's, it's you know we got him missing time, Bra missing time, mean, Jokic is about to just just you you remember MJ's homie, um, the security dude who would hit the shrug after he would beat him, <laughs> like Jokic is about to just hit that dude shrug all the way to MVP now, and you know what I'm saying? And no shots on Jokic, man. Jokic is a phenomenal player, and you know this isn't on Jokic, but it's just gonna be a bizarre MVP finish with two of the top guys being sidelined due to injury, and that's just what injuries do, bro. They make shit bizarre. They muck up everything. They leave us with a whole bunch of empty-ass what-ifs. Like, what if the 2015 finals weren't injury-stricken? What if the 2019 finals weren't injury-stricken? What if we got a healthy penny, a healthy Grand Hill, a healthy D. Rose, a healthy Brandon Roy, but injuries don't give a damn about any of that. Injuries are rude as hell. They, they don't give a damn. And another part of how rude they is how they sneak up on you. I'm watching a Saturday afternoon Lakers game, and then, bam, my GOAT, LeBron has a possible MVP taken off the board. I'm just sick of this shit, bro. I know I can't do a damn thing about injuries, but I just want them to leave me and my favorite sport alone, man. Please, we're quarantining. I don't have shit else to do, and now you're forcing me to watch Wesley Matthews pick up bronze a minute at the three. Shit ain't right, man. I'm fed up, and I know that there's absolutely nothing I can do about it but complain, but I absolutely am going to complain, and that's all I got to say about that. Ruins. (laughs) Up next. (laughs)
1: Hoppin ruins, Logan Murdoch here, Raja Bell. Raja, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about Bridgerton. We're going to talk about that in a second. Mm. We have Steve Kerr on the pod. We're going to get him in a second, too. But the, before we talk about all that stuff, I want to talk about injuries suck, my guy. Injuries freaking suck. We're talking about LaMelo Ball, who was my rookie of the year pick, out for the season. We're talking about LeBron James high ankle sprain out indefinitely. First off, it sucks for the the Hornets because I don't know they weren't going to win a championship this year by any means, but I was really enjoying watching LaMelo Ball play Bell. Yeah, look, LaMelo was a
2: LaMelo was a show. He was must-see TV, right? We talked about him being a star in regards to what, when he comes to town or when he's playing, you want to tune in and see what that's going to look like. It, you know, it's it's tough NBA NBA basketball, not that not that the injury itself has anything to do with, with him being slight of frame or being young or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. But it is, it is a really physical sport. I think that gets lost. I work with a lot of uh, young basketball players and it gets lost on them on, and their families just how physical those games are unless you're up close and personal sitting courtside or playing in them. Um, that's kind of lost on the general public watching it. And you know, navigating the injury bug, Logan, is the difference between you know MVPs Um, or not rookie of the years, or not, and quite frankly, you know, championships or not. Golden State, a couple years ago, they navigate that injury bug a little more smoothly. You know, that's that's probably another championship. Cleveland, a few years before that, Kyrie and Kevin Love don't get hurt. Maybe they beat, maybe they beat Golden State on the first on that first championship run Golden State had. So you know, that's the difference
1: in the NBA. Yeah, man, and like Lamelo was playing so well, he was playing so well that when people said Mellow, I had a a hard time discerning if it was Carmelo Anthony or LaMelo Ball.
2: We really were approaching that point, though. Like, we were—you're at the 50-50, where an old head like me would still think Carmelo. But anybody, you know, 10 years younger than me, you're going LaMelo,
1: right? I I was thinking, like, when I saw Melo got hurt and I saw it on the alerts, I thought Carmelo Anthony got hurt initially, just when I saw the alerts and when I saw they were out for the season. Because, you know— you know, the new wave, Raja, is that, you know, they say the, the the player's nickname as opposed to their actual name. So the alert said Mello, and I'm like, oh damn, Mello's hurt. That's tough. Like, what'd that mean for the Trailblazers? Then All I was like right. How what's old up? did
2: you how old did you have to be, right? Like what's the line of delineation? How old do you have to be to have thought Mello Ball when you saw that versus you and I thinking Carmelo Anthony yeah. when you saw that? I, what's the age? I,
1: uh, I'd say the cutoff age, maybe 22, 23. Okay. If you, to, to go towards, uh, LaMelo ball. And then, you know, my age, I'm like 27. So you go f- for, you know, I've seen Mello play. I, I've seen, I I was conscious to see Mello. He played during my formative years. You know what right, I mean? Right, and, right, right, right. And so I, I, I that's why I'm having like 50, 50. Someone like you probably automatically goes, that's Carmelo. Correct. Um, so yeah, Melo's out for the season. That sucks. Uh, but what does that mean for LeBron James? Him being out indefinitely, with AD out indefinitely, out for an extended period of time, too. Um, is it is it is it is it weird to say they might not make the playoffs if 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 um, this works out? If this doesn't work out,
2: it's aggressive. I won't I won't say it's weird. It's an aggressive um it's an aggressive statement, but there are chances of slipping into that six to t- or, or seven to 10. Is that who's in the playoff this year to get in mm-hmm. um, seven to 10? Um, the chances of them slipping into that, if either one of them is not available for the next month to change is for real. Right now they sit at uh, 28 and 15 and the seventh place team is 22 and 17. They're only four games behind them. Logan, you're talking about a bad week and a half of basketball and you could be sitting in seventh place. Um, yeah. So, so I don't think, you know, that's without, you know, without merit, the, the, the comment, um, I, the, the thing is you don't really know how far Anthony Davis is away. Mm-hmm. I can say, I can say pretty positively that you won't see LeBron for at least five weeks. I, I don't think you're going to see him for five weeks. Like that's one of those injuries that you, you know, it doesn't come around quick. And I know LeBron is a cyborg in the way he heals, like he heals quicker than anybody else, but Four to five weeks, you're not going to see LeBron before that. The wild card is AD, and I don't I don't have any information on, on when he's back.
1: Yeah. I, so the, the latest update was on March 12th, and it, went, uh, it was when Anthony Davis got examined by team doctors. He This is from the Lakers. He is progressing in his recovery and is cleared to enter the next phase of return to play process. He will be reevaluated by team doctors in two weeks, and an update will be given at that time. So... I guess there's another update coming in mm, a few days, but that doesn't like you know that doesn't mean he's coming back. It just means there's another update. But this is the biggest fear that I would have for the Lakers is that they drop all the way down to where they're in in game status. That's what you don't want, right? Like, correct. You do not want even if LeBron and AD are coming back, you want them to at least have a bit of smooth sailing and a cushion. To get them back into game shape, game form, you don't want to waste that time on playing games, which is a playoff atmosphere where you don't want to lose. That's that's my fear for the Lakers.
2: That that is the biggest fear um, for anybody in Laker Nation right now. You have a trade line deadline, uh, a trade deadline coming up, where you know you're going to have to really think about it if you're the Lakers as to whether or not it makes sense to make a move to protect against that taking place or if you could score something like Andre Drummond in the buyout market and and be able to keep your head above water until you get those two back you know who it really sucks for though if you know if you're sitting there at 1 and 2 if you're the Utah Jazz or the uh Phoenix Suns like we're going to work we're going to secure this number 1 seed typically that gets us a favorable matchup at an 8 seed <laughs> if the Lakers slip all the way into playoff contention and get a 7 or an 8 that sucks for the upper ha- the upper like echelon Western Conference teams this year
1: sucks. Uh, we'll see what happens, man. I, I had to put a thing on. I'd say they dropped to like six or so. We'll see what yeah. happens. And we're watching the play, and you know, it seems like Solomon Hill just rolls into LeBron's leg. What did you think that was dirty at all? Well, are you saying it was dirty? No, I didn't think it. I, I
2: saw all of the Laker hate towards Solomon Hill. And I get it. Like it's an emotional time. I don't want to see LeBron go down either. I'm the I'm I'm a huge fan. That that sucks. I don't think it was a dirty play though. And I, you know, I saw the press conferences. I know his teammates are standing up for him and stuff like that. But, you know, you're putting Solomon Hill in a tough spot as a player who's making a living being tough nosed and aggressive and and never really having a history of of plays like that. And you've got now the league probably having to look into you know, whether it was a genuine act. Like, I just thought it was a little irresponsible hey. for people to be
1: throwing out that he he did it on purpose and it was dirty. Hey, Roger, I got a question for you, bro. What up? Do you see yourself in that mode? Do you see how, how Laker fans used to treat you? It kind of got a little triggered there? Not really, no. I okay. mean, because okay. I didn't make any bones
2: about mine. I'm, I wasn't sitting there telling you I didn't make a basketball play. I didn't give a shit. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? But, but Buddy was in the heat of, like, a play. The ball was kind of... You could say, you know, that was he wasn't ever gonna get that steal, but you know, in his mind in the moment, he don't know that. But no, I did not really draw a comparison to it. Uh, my my, okay. my criticism was fair. I clotheslined him in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I mean when we about. talk about that. I, <laughs> I made a conscious decision to do that. That was I will yes. take the criticism.
1: Yes, fair point. Okay. Um, you know, I don't I just wanted to make a point that, you know, Lager fans overreact sometimes. a lot of the time. I don't know, like Rye Cole. But, um, <laughs> you know, we dropping names on the Real Ones podcast. <laughs> but I, take that with a grain of salt. We got Laker fans here like Jomi and Sasha who overreact sometimes. So um, let's get to what I really want to talk about. I finished Bridgerton this weekend, Raja Bell. Yeah. I got some takes, bro. Give me some takes. First, can I ask you a question before we go? Because I asked you
2: last week about who you thought Lady Whistledown was.
1: Who did I, th- I thought who did I think Lady Whistledown was? I thought it was the uh You thought it was I Mrs. It was- Featherington, right? I did think it was Mrs. Featherington. All right, go. I was close. You were close. Spoiler were alert. Cool. It was Penn, who was the biggest hater I have ever seen in <gasps> a in a Netflix te- television show, dude. She used her platform to just <laughs> she brought violence with her platform, man. Okay, so. First of all, the show made it painfully obvious before I needed to know that it was that who Lady Whistledown was. They let us know who Lady Whistledown was in episode eight very early when, you know, because I'll say this. Late uh Marina kind of was feeling herself a little bit too much when she was going at Penn, was like, I got your man, and I got him, and everything, the whole plan is gonna work because I got him. It don't matter. I'm better than you. Woo woo. And then Penn got into her her little her bag where she was a little, a little sad, a little mad because her man who didn't even want her at the end wasn't hers. And she yeah. was like, okay, I'm going to show her. And so, she got into her Lady Featherington bag, her Lady Whistledown bag, and just turned, took it all the way down. And I was just like, that was kind of whack. That was whack because one, you did never have a relationship with this dude, and he didn't even want you. At the end of the day, let that queen be be happy. Let her be happy, okay? And then, um, but wait, but wait though. Let's first of all, Okay, all right, cut it off. First cut of all,
2: all I, I, yes. Let me let me just like Marina Thompson did not divulge to Colin Featherington that she was. I mean that she was. I mean to Colin Bridgerton that she was pregnant. Like so, how? What you want Penn to just let the man get hoodwinked?
1: You I mean, what's here's the know? thing though. Here's the thing, though. I under normal circumstances, I would feel bad because that is out of pocket, right? But bro was gonna take her in. It wasn't like that was gonna be a deal breaker. Bro was gonna take her in if she would all she had to do was tell the truth. But he was gonna take her in, her and her baby in. You ready. didn't
2: know that at the time. Penn didn't know that at the time, man. That's playing, that's playing Monday morning quarterback, man. There's a lot at stake there, man.
1: Also, man, that was whack. Penn is whack for that. Pen, Pen is whack for Pen is Pen whack for is snitching. Whack for that? Is that true? Is that? Would you say? Would you agree that it was whack that she snitched
2: like that? No, but you know what? No, it's not because I mean we her. post. We talked post show about. How much pressure was on these young ladies, apparently, during that day and time to be married um, and their whole existence almost depending on it, regardless of how wealthy your family was, like it was your sole job, which is really, really sad. And that sucks. But if she's sitting there with with, uh, her eye on something, hoping that he's got her eye back and then this isn't even her family that comes, it's taken into her house. Now she's getting all the shine and all the time she knows that she's pregnant and not telling anybody I'm salty too. Pen, Sounds I'm like, dropping a dime too. I, I'm like Rico in 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 belly. I'm about to drop a dime on them.
1: <laughs> hey, I got to drop a dime, bro. Hey, nah, bro, snitching, bro. That's that's out of pocket, bro. That is out of pocket. Also, which was interesting was when when uh, Bridgerton, bro, was trying to get back with Sienna. She did the oo op and then was like, Nah, fam, I ain't getting back with you. I'm with bro. I was like, Dang, that was like, that was wild. <laughs> <laughs> I was like She was like She was like Hey boo Go back upstairs I'll be right there When Bridgerton bruh Was like Hey Brought the flowers Was ready to get his th- He was ready to get his groove back He was ready He was like We about to start a family I claim you now She was like Uh uh-uh. uh No She gave him a little ooh But she And he and she was like No I'm back I'm gone No." Mm-mm.
2: yeah and he likes he likes me for me he ain't asking me to change so how you like that he
1: ain't, he ain't asking but here's the thing this is one thing that I didn't she didn't have to go there you know why because you remember in the beginning she was like boo my lord my lord please let me go to the ball let me go to the ball I want to be a part of that like I want to be in your life no th- you can't say that and then double back and be like I- you wanted me to change because at the beginning you wanted to be about that life that is fair I mean that's a fair that's a fair point that is fair. It's a fair point, right? All right. So, boom. What is what, any season 2 predictions? What are we doing? What's going on? Oh, I don't know. I can I I have no predictions for that. If you do Whistledown I down gets I, found just, out though? I love Whistledown the Whistledown has to get found out. Oh, I don't know Whistledown how that has to get found out.
2: Well, they're so close now. It's almost impossible that she doesn't get found out, but there's got to be some twist. I feel like without whistle down as the 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 narrator of sorts of that story, like I, I where do you go from there? The whole the whole thing changes. I no? mean,
1: messiness ain't going to end because Lady Whistledown goes down. Okay? I don't I don't believe that.
2: Yeah. I, I think, think she does not get found messy. out. They're too close. They're too close to the... I mean, they know who it is at this point.
1: Yeah, man. It's funny because I was thinking, like, Bridgerton has a lot of NBA connections, man. Like, you can't do shit in the NBA without getting leaked. <laughs> I mean, it's like... <laughs> It was a, instead of like Lady Whistledown to be like Brother Shams or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> Brother Shams. <laughs> Brother, Brother Stein. You know what I mean? Man, Pete was Pete, Pete Bridgerton, dude. It was dope. I'm locked in. I burn for this show. All right. Uh, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Steve Kerr, next. Ruins. <laughs> Holla. What's poppin'? Real ones, Logan Murdoch here with Raja Bell. Raja, we have a champion, a former ringer's uh, co-worker, a guy who wears a lot of Vans. He has probably every checkered Vans of all time in life. (laughs) Yeah, man, just an overall cool guy. Warriors coach Steve Kerr. What's poppin', Steve? I'm good, I'm good. How, um, How are you guys doing? Good, man. It's pretty good. Oh, it's that the good, first. Dude? That's
2: the first guest that's ever asked us it how we're doing. Like, right? Really gave us like <laughs> empathy of like what we're doing. <laughs> like right? That's, that's it kind felt of genuine, like real talk. I'm oh, <laughs> good, Steve. Thank you. You're good. Hello, You're You're no, good. you
3: You know, I, I I was I was a little worried, Raja coming on just because I I traded you. Oh, you oh, stole my, my thunder, thunder it. sir. Let's yes, get, yeah, he was. On the t- <laughs>
1: we get, are we getting? Let's get right to it. We're, right we're getting right to the game. shit, Steve. Right to the shit, Steve. We weren't ready. We had this on the rundown, but you brought it. Let's get right to that. Let's get right to Here that. Here we go. Here we the go. The
2: original plan was, like, just full disclosure. Logan was going to yes. break the ice with a nice little anecdote, and then yeah, I was going to yeah. come in off the top rope like, yeah, I would have <laughs> learned something, too, except you fucking traded me, like, and, that was, and you blew it all up. <laughs> oh,
1: Steve, man. why did you trade yeah. Raja? Let's get right to
3: it. Why did you trade Raja Bell? Yeah, they had, like, no softballs to lead it off. I guess I I brought you this brought on, it on myself, yourself. didn't I? You brought that I on did. yourself. I did. That was uh, yeah, that was an interesting time for the Suns for sure. And uh, when I came in, it was sort of the the tail end of what was a hell of a run, amazing run. And we were we were trying to keep it together. And then I think it was, was it the year before Raja, that we traded Sean Marion for Shaq. Yeah. The previous season. And then you got Mm -hmm. traded the following season, mid-season. Yep. So to be perfectly blunt, you know, we were, I think we were sort of chasing something that wasn't there. We were on the tail end. Things were, were starting to, to descend a little bit. And we, we started chasing and uh, made, made some moves that we were hoping could keep us, keep us going. But in retrospect, you know, I, I, I would do it differently. I wish we had been more satisfied with what we were and not been so obsessed with we got to win a championship we got to win a championship you know we we swung for the fences so first with the Shaq deal and then things weren't going great and we traded uh you and Boris for Jason Richardson and uh Jared Dudley mm-hmm. all good players like like everybody you know everybody involved uh, all four all four of you have, have had really good careers JD's still around Amazingly enough, uh, playing for the Lakers, but it was a yeah, it was a difficult time for the Suns for sure. And I know that was a difficult time for you because trade getting traded is no fun.
2: Yeah, but yeah. It's, you know it's that's part of the business. And and look, it, I mean that year it didn't pan out, but you guys were right back in the Western Conference Finals, you know, a year later. Um, Steve, I did want to ask you. I know Logan's got a lot, but I, I just okay. So I remember. I don't know if you remember this when you when you got to Phoenix. It was just an conversation we had in the hallway and you said to me like when you get a new job like you have a small window of time to kind of affect change you know and Mm -hmm. um you know when Terry came into that situation
3: Terry Porter yeah Terry Porter yeah Yeah. great great dude
2: like great dude Mm. um Mm -hmm. maybe a little heavy-handed on the approach of like changing make like affecting change Mm -hmm. I'm curious Mm -hmm. if like your experience with that um, affected the way you took over in Golden State, like wh- wh- whether that was something that you drew from when you had a team they had one fifty one, you got them over yeah. the hump, but 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 like, did it shape your approach when you you took over that team?
3: One hundred percent, it it affected me. I, one of the best uh, things that I was able to do to prepare for coaching was to be a GM because I, I had a, a three year, uh, look at, um, you know, how a team operates relationships within. I did a lot. I made a lot of mistakes in Phoenix that uh, helped prepare me for golden state. I'm sure Suns fans are like, Oh, that's great. Thanks a lot. (laughs) But I, uh, no, I, I think, um, uh, looking back, you know, I was young and inexperienced and, and, um, you know, I, I wish I could have prepared Terry better. Terry was a, a, as you said, a great guy, um, wonderful teammate of mine in San Antonio, respected great family man. Like everything about Terry, um, to me said he's going to be a success, but coming in to replace uh, Mike D'Antoni, who had been so successful, particularly with the style of play, you know, that, that revolutionized the sport that is still being felt today in the way the game is playing being played now 12 years, 15 years later, whatever it is, that's a tough spot to be in. So Terry, Man. you know, we had already made the Shaq trade. So now he comes in and rightfully so he's like, well, we got to, you know, use Shaq the right way. We were going to have to adapt our style. But for you guys, it was not a fun change because you went from playing this upbeat rhythmic uh, style, fun style to slowing it down, which in retrospect was too much. And so I definitely saw all that and, um, uh,
1: took those lessons with me to Golden State. How does that make you feel, Raja?
2: Well, listen, I was, I was, I was uh, young and inexperienced to put it politely myself. Like I too wish I had handled things different. You know what I mean? Like you, every there were reasons that I got traded. Steve's being nice. Like I was not really happy to the point he just made about the style that was, that was being kind of uh, uh, changed on the fly. Like I never dealt with change well, and I could have probably handled that a little better, but. You know, it, it is interesting because, I mean, I don't coach in the NBA, but just coaching with, with youth and in high, at the high school level, like you draw on a lot of those experience, right? Like I draw yeah. on my inexperience as a player and some of the things I did when I'm dealing with kids who aren't maybe acting as, as I would want them to, you know, and, and you kind of, mm-hmm. you live and you learn.
3: Yeah, no doubt, and and I think one of the things that that I've really learned now since I've been in coaching now for seven years and and three years as a GM is that everything in the NBA is cyclical, and every team kind of has this lifespan, you know. And and it, it seems like oh my god, this is going to last forever. Like you came to the Suns what oh six oh seven?
2: Yep, oh five oh six, I think.
3: Oh five oh six. Yeah, Um, you know the the oh four oh five team really you know sort of changed the 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 course of the Suns path and and NBA history in a lot of ways. And it just felt like that was going to go on forever, but losing to the Spurs, you know, I think three, three different times in the playoffs changed um, that dramatic rise to the top and this feel good, joyful team to, all right, now we're near the end of the rope and everybody's getting older and we can't get over the hump. And, and that vibe went South and, and, uh, as I said, there were things I could have done better to, to, to improve that. But what I've learned too is that some of this stuff is, it's just the hands of time move and things change and, and every NBA team goes through these cycles and it's, it's really tough to navigate when you're right in the middle of it because you're not quite sure, you know, is it over yet or, and we're kind of, you know, we're, we're in an interesting spot right now with, with Golden State where, you know, we're clearly on the descent. Uh, that's obvious, but we've got so, you know this great talent in James Wiseman. We got Steph and Draymond still playing at a high level. We got Clay coming back next year. We still think we can be good, uh, but how do you navigate that? How do you get there? What moves do you have to make? Those are things Bob Myers and I talk about every day.
1: That's what's up, man. Hey, so Raja, yep, <laughs> I covered I covered Steve for three years, right? Okay. The first time, my first experience with Steve, I remember. um I got my I got the gig, and my first day was the day before the um, Houston Rockets Warriors uh, season opener seventeen eighteen, and they had you guys had lost that game at the buzzer. You remember that, Steve? You guys had lost the yeah, game. Yeah, KD a
3: ca- KD hit a buzzer beater that everyone thought counted, and then on, upon replay review, it was after the buzzer, so we lost.
1: Right, and so. Um, in that game, you guys were winning that whole game and they had come back and won in the final minute. And I had seen throughout my whole time intern and in things like that. I seen a Marcus Thompson, Mark Spears, Chris Haynes. They all were able to get like Steve to the side. Right. They were all able to get like an extra quote from Steve. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. I I was in the presser my first time, and I'm like, hey, man, I'm going to get an extra quote from Steve, or I'm going to, like, make him see who I am. I'm the newest guy on the beat. I'm going to at least try to ask him a question, right? And so my thing was I was going to ask him, hey, I know you guys – it was a stupid question in hindsight. I'm asking, hey, (laughs) do you guys think this win is going to help – this loss is going to help you because you guys weren't supposed to win this game? Do you guys think there would have been a lesson And you know – losing this game. And I asked him this. It didn't come out that way. It was still a stupid question, but I asked him off to the side. He was about to give me time, and I asked him that, and he goes, he gives me a flash look, the red face that you always see when he's about to give a tech, and he says... (laughs) Logan, we he didn't even say Logan. He said, we play to win the fucking game. And he <laughs> walked, walked, across, walked across into his locker room, right? That's great. And I, and I say all that to say, I remember how intense it was when you guys were winning. Granted, it was a stupid question, Steve, but I remember how intense you had to be for that time. And my question is, is it harder to coach when you're winning and in a dynasty or when you're trying to build up something that could potentially be a dynasty which is the harder coaching job in your eyes
3: i think every year is different um and so it's not as clear-cut as that uh, i would tell you the uh the first uh four years of our run the coaching was way more fun just because we were we were joyful and and everything was was really simple and and uh no agendas, and then you know that last year things kind of went haywire, and so even though we went to the finals, uh, it was difficult. I enjoyed last season when we had the worst record in the league more than I enjoyed that last season when we went to the finals because you know we had young guys last year who were you know trying every day and working hard. We had a great energy, great spirit, great camaraderie, and losing sucked, but. You know that, what you want is a good vibe and a good. You you want to look forward to going to the gym every day and seeing mm-hmm. everybody. And that last year was tough. It really was tough. The, la- the last year when we lost to Toronto in the finals, it, there was just a, a lot going on uh, that that you guys, some that you know about, some that you don't, and that was very difficult. So it's it's hard. You know, every year is unique, and you 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 try to enjoy each one for what it is.
1: The last season was great because there was also less media. Um, so that was that was fun for on my end. You Maybe know, get, that was gotta, a- <laughs> Yeah. Um, but uh what was it like to start that 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 run with the Warriors, right? Because when you're when you're about to get in as a coach right then, and I wanna talk about in a minute when you I know me and Roger wanna talk about current stuff, but when you were starting that gig, it wasn't like all peaches when you got hired. Like it wasn't something where um it was fanfare, but there wasn't, right? Because there was a respected coach in Mark Jackson who had the locker room. And did you feel were you nervous? Did you? How did you feel those first few months coaching that team? Because you, do you feel like, oh, I have to get off on the right foot now because it's not as popular a hire as we think of it in hindsight now. How was those first few months coaching, um, you know, Steph and the guys right then when someone else was a big figure already before you got there? Well, I enjoyed
3: it uh, because we had great guys. You know, Steph. Steph makes it so easy to coach him and, to, and by extension, to coach the team. And I I hit it off immediately with Andre Godalla, who you know my fellow Arizona Wildcat, and we both played for for Coach Olson at U of A, so we we shared a connection there. And I I, I went into the job, and and this kind of goes back to what you mentioned, Raja, about you know did I learn anything from that son's experience? You know I I went in with full awareness of what a great job Mark Jackson had done. And what the team had built over the previous few seasons, you know, they had, they had been in the playoffs two straight years. They right. had one of the best defenses in the league. So our whole thing as a staff was, you know, let's go in and, and respect everything these guys have done and just let them know we're not trying to change things. We're just trying to help them take the next step. So the, you know, I think there was a, a sense of humility from our whole staff that the guys appreciated. Uh, we respected what Mark and his staff had done, you know, setting the table. And we had this great group of young guys, talented guys who were ready to win. And and um, and so it was really it was really fun right from the beginning.
2: Steve, I, I want to ask you, though, Steve. So like that the defense is in place, right? Like, um, what is the, what is the tinkering offensively? Like, what are you saying to me in the locker room? Like sit in there. um, Yeah. And, and that the, 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 the resonated like so seamlessly with the team, like people were buying in. It was a style that that they just bought into immediately. You guys hit the bricks running it, or so it looked.
3: Yeah. yeah. Well, we we um, the thing we we really emphasized with the, was that we wanted the ball to move. We wanted to play with pace, but we wanted the ball to move a little bit more. And the, the previous Warriors team had been pretty pick and roll heavy. And, you know, we, we just looked at the roster and it, it, it's not just that you have these great shooters and Steph and Clay, but you had all these great passers, guys like Andre, Sean Livingston, uh, Andrew Boga, tremendous passer as a center, right. David Lee. Um, I had no idea what a good passer Draymond was. Um, you know, he hadn't played a whole lot before, before I got there. He, you know, had some, some big moments in the playoffs, but I, I wasn't aware of what a passer he was. But everybody else we knew could pass and, and our whole thing going in was, You know, you guys are already a top five defense. We're going to maintain that, but we're going to move the ball. We're going to play, play faster and, and move the ball. And most players love to play fast and they actually love to share the ball when it, when it, when it happens the right way, when guys are really committed to it and everybody's passing to each other, that's the most fun way to play basketball. And I think our guys understood that we could utilize all that passing to create some, some good shots. And, uh, they, they bought in right away.
1: What's it like now, uh, Steve, when you're trying to balance trying to develop a young core of, you know, J- Jordan Poole, Pascal, and Wiseman, when you're trying to develop them, but also you got Steph Curry who is, you know, he's 33 years old, he's playing like an MVP level and he's at his peak. But how do you balance those two things? One guy wants to win a title right now, and then these other guys right. still need to develop enough to get to that level. How do you balance that as a coach right now?
3: Well, that's that's the job, right? Every every year is different and that's the team we have. Um and it's it's actually really fun. And it and Steph makes it a lot easier because you know, S- Steph could be the guy who's basically saying to the world, I'm 33 and I want another chance at a championship and I'm not in, I'm not into all this stuff, but Steph is a really mature human being and a, a, a team player. He also understands that it's one thing to say that uh, it's another thing to do something about it. Like if, if there's a move that we can make that's going to make us a championship team, trust me, Bob's going to do it. So this, this theory that, uh you know, we, Hey, we have to, you know, we, we got to, Win a championship while Steph's in his prime. Well, hell yeah, you know that's what we're trying to do. Tell me the move that would allow for that, just like that, and uh, and I would offer that you know maybe developing James Wiseman and bringing Clay Thompson back next year and uh, bringing along our young group and you know having a, a you know another potential two first round picks next year. I would argue that's a pretty good path, not only to, to try to win a, a title, but, but to set the the team up for the next decade. And the great thing about Steph is that he, he's mature. He understands all he's, he's realistic. So, you know, we're, we're, we're doing what we think is best. And, and Steph is is enjoying the process and we're, we're, we're,
2: we're all in it together. Um, I, yeah, I, that's so not really a question, but I actually think it's, some you know there's blessings in disguise sometimes right and the fact that you don't have clay there gives some of those young players an opportunity to develop and develop yeah. chemistry with Steph so when the window opens again when clay's back that's some of that's already been taken care of you know what i mean like you know and if you have a leader no like a Steph and like a Steve Nash and all the great ones like they're able to kind of understand the process you're going through
3: yeah no doubt and and you know i think back to uh the Suns and you know you mentioned how how powerful a leader Steve was. I mean there were really three different versions of those Suns teams. You know, you were on the middle version. The first one uh with Joe Johnson at, at right. the at the the shooting guard spot the year before you got there. I think you replaced Joe if I'm not yep. mistaken, right? So that was kind of the first iteration and then your group um that included Boris Diaw who nobody knew about but then you know amari was out for the year with the, the knee surgery and boris becomes the comeback player of the year and unbelievable passer and and uh and you guys had an amazing uh like three-year run um mm-hmm. and and a couple of near near finals births um close calls and and then after we, sorry, after we traded you, after we traded <laughs> Boris,
0: I'm just going to keep doing uh, it. Huh? You, you keep doing
3: it. After, <laughs> we're going to keep talking about it, uh, you know. And then we we made that big shift trading, uh, you know, Sean Marion for. For Shaq, um, well, we had that third iteration with with Channing Frye shooting threes and you know Jay Rich at the two, and that team made the conference final. So yeah. that's the power of a of a leader like Steve Nash, like Steph Curry. They make it possible for you to build a new and and whether it's an extension of your previous team or or a brand new team. I mean, if you still have that guy in the lead, he's gonna he's gonna turn it into something really positive. And I think that's what what's happening with Steph.
1: That's 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 really funny. Also, Steve, just tell him to put some respect in y'all name. After you traded him, y'all went to a Western Conference Finals, okay? I tell said him, that. To him to relax. Tell him to relax, okay? Tell him to relax. Oh, you brought up a point with um with you brought up Wiseman. And um mm-hmm. when you when you were talking about him, I know that he he is uh, he flashed early. He was really good. I actually hit you, it was like, yo, I saw the the coast to coast dunk in Detroit, and I was like, oh. This dude is this dude is next level. Gets in right. gets injured, um, and then comes back from uh all star break, misses two tests, and you have to sit him down. What went into that decision and how do you think that that, that will help him in the long run? And what what made you say like, okay, I'm going to sit him down for most of the game when we get back?
3: Well, you're only a young, impressionable um uh, player at once in your career. And one of the things you have to learn right away is you got, you got to handle your business and you got to take care of everything. And so James has basically done that, but missing those two COVID tests put us behind the eight ball because then the league didn't let him practice um, that, you know, the, the practice that where you come back from all-star break, which is. A crucial practice because everybody's you know been been on vacation for a week and you got to get your legs back and you got to go over some things and so it, really it was him missing practice that led to that decision and I wanted him to understand that um, as a player you got to look at that text every day you know if you if 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 you have a team function it's going to be on that text and you got to do it and that's part of being a pro. Great thing with James is he he is an unbelievable. He's 19, but he's, uh, he's really mature. He's thoughtful. Uh, we have a great relationship. We talk every day. He's so respectful and, and he, he doesn't take coaching personally, you know? Um, and Raja, you know what I mean by that? Like some guy, young guys, they think coaching is criticism and it's anything but. Is you know my job is to to help James become the very best player that he can, and our staff is committed to that. So he understands that we're just trying to help him get better. And then I think the biggest thing with James is you know he's nineteen, big guys without any college experience, they don't come in and, and dominate the NBA. Um, he's having a better year than Kevin Garnett had, for example, when Kevin was a rookie. Uh, you can look at look at the numbers, watch the tape. James has had some moments, um, but he's got a ways to go, too, because, um, you know, he's he's experiencing all this stuff for the first time.
1: Yeah. How does it how is it for you to coach Wiseman when, you know, he has an injury? He has a um, you have to sit him down for most of a game, but he's he's playing. He has spurts where he's really well, but he's also seen other rookies like Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball having success early and how do do you make sure he's good as a young guy where he's not always comparing himself to somebody else's journey? What do you do to help him out and help him guide him through that journey when he's seeing other guys get more success faster than he's getting?
3: See that's a way better question than that first one you asked me before that <laughs> Houston game. After that, you said so. You have grown. If if James can develop at the same rate as you, Logan, we're gonna be we're gonna be in great shape in a few years. So nice job.
2: <laughs>
3: no, it, it really is a good question. He he uh, because that's a big part of it. And and you know I don't think it's it's ever been more difficult to be a pro athlete than right now because of the uh, intense scrutiny and judgment that these guys get and that they have at their fingertips um every day and so i know there's there's no doubt james knows what Lamelo's doing and knows what anthony's doing and wants to be um playing 30 minutes and and uh you know the whole deal but it's a different set of circumstances and as a big man it's a much tougher transition than it is as a guard Uh, and he's doing great you know he's um he's learning uh every day and and i'm telling you this guy's going to be special not only because of his talent but his work ethic and his character he's he's uh, he's got everything you need to become a great player
2: steve let me i want to ask you like i'm in i'm in the locker room right the thing i most players miss like i know i miss is the it's the it's the the camaraderie it's the locker room it's being around the guys it's the travel it's being out to dinner on the road like how difficult has it been and how much has changed due to COVID? Like, what's that look like now? You know, and even, even as it pertains to a James Wise, it's hard enough coming into the league as a rook yep. and figuring out what that looks like. Now you're doing it under COVID protocols.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, that's a, a really great point. It's a, this is a tough season for everybody, for every team. You know, we're te- right now we're testing two to three times a day. As we speak, we just had uh, James and Eric declared out for the next two games in Memphis based on contact tracing somebody in our traveling party tested positive so even though they James and Eric are fine uh they can't play the next couple of games i mean that meant they couldn't practice today so for James you know he missed all of training camp he missed uh you know the practice coming back from break which was his o- the only one he had control over now he's missing a couple of games he's he's beyond frustrated because he's a competitor, because he wants it so badly. But for the rest of the guys, it's, you know, we're, we don't, to your point, we don't have team dinners. We don't have the team building stuff. Uh, we've, we've, over the, over the years, we've done all kinds of stuff on off nights. You know, we've gone bowling. We've gone to movies, ton of team dinners and not being able to do all that is, is huge because you just don't get that bonding and that, that stress release.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 tough. that's yeah, that is tough, man. I mean, you're sequestered. In, I'm assuming you're sequestered in your hotel room for a week, right? Yeah. For the most part, I can imagine that's that's pretty uh, pretty tough. I mm. um I remember uh, talking to you in um, I think it was Portland 2019 after you guys had go were, had clinched to go to the playoffs, and we were talk or clinched clinched to go to the finals um, against Toronto, and we were talking about Draymond, and you were talking about. The evolution of his leadership style and the evolution of how you have dealt with Draymond. Um, how is it? How is it more of a partnership now? And how have you guys um, been able to coexist now? Because at first, y'all two was out here going at it, Steve. You guys were really like at each other's necks. <laughs> we and now we, we were. Yeah. So you, you said knockout drag out fights to start, you know, I'm sure you're, you know what I mean? I'm not sure that wasn't at that close to hyperbole, but how was it, how was it evolved now to a partnership now?
3: Well, to understand the context, it didn't start out as a knockdown drag out fight. It's, it, it, uh, it quickly developed into a great relationship from the first day of camp. And, and, um, because I saw his competitiveness and, and, uh, and his fire and I talked to Tom Izzo quite a bit to to try to get to know Draymond I picked Tom's brain and and Tom told me this guy's the biggest winner you're ever going to come across so I I love Draymond from the first day and we've had plenty of battles and yelling matches and all that stuff but that doesn't mean you know, we ever stopped loving uh, each other we have a gr- great relationship now it's more of a collaboration um mm. frankly you know uh when I came in I was expecting to start David Lee. David was a great player in his own right, all-star. And David got hurt in camp. And so we let uh, Draymond start first part of the season. And he was so good that uh, David never got his job back. And so during that whole span, you know, Draymond was so fiery and competitive and... And, uh, I was, you know, I was a new coach. I was, I was, you know, getting, I think I led the league in technicals that year. I mean, we were, we're actually a lot alike, believe it or not. We, we come from different backgrounds, obviously, but we're, we're very similar terms of our competitive nature. So we butt heads sometimes, but we're collaborating now more than ever. We've had a fantastic season together. I've, I've never enjoyed coaching him more than I am right now, just because he's got a, a wisdom. Now that's added to that fire and he's been a great leader for, for our young guys and, and he's had a great year. He's playing really well.
1: Why, why is, why do you think that, um, people, I remember when, after you guys, uh, when Kev left and when you guys are going on a younger, uh, when you guys are trending younger, there was like talk that maybe Draymond is too competitive to put his arm around guys like that. If they don't really, the younger guys and rookies, will he have the patience for a rookie? Um, why were why was everyone wrong about that? Who thought that when uh, with Draymond's relationship to rookies? How how does he? Uh, what don't we see with him when rookies? And uh, how has he helped with Wiseman's development and Poole's development and Pascal's development? Um, how has he done that? Well, he's got a good mix of uh, pulling a guy
3: aside and and um, giving him advice and yelling at him if if he's not doing the right thing, you know. And and in the middle of, of games of a game, you know, he'll He'll yell at those guys. In fact, Draymond actually got kicked out of a game this year for yelling at Wiseman. Remember that one? I do remember that <laughs> It was that against one. the, it was against the Knicks and he was, he was mad at James for not coming to meet the pass and he started yelling at James and the ref thought that he was yelling at, at, at him. And uh, Draymond got tossed, but he's just got a good mix of, um, you know, the guys, the guys on the team love him and they'll, they'll do anything for him because he, Draymond is the most loyal person you'll ever meet. He's a, he's a fighter. He's a winner. He's a champion. Um, that's who you want to go to battle with.
2: Mm, that's 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 real. I, look, so I know um, Steve Nash was coming up and he was spending a lot of time. With you guys kind of like in a, I don't know, what would you call it? A consultorial role or like, I don't, I don't know what it was, but did you see the job um, in Brooklyn? Like, did you see him coming back to coach? And second question, I guess, as a follow-up would be like, once he took it, because you guys sound a lot alike when I hear you guys talk about, you know, philosophy and how you approach things and so on and so forth. Like, did he, did he pick your brain at all when, after he took that job?
3: Um... After he took it, not not a ton. We we talked for a few times. I was surprised he took the job. First of all, um, so was Roger. That caught me off guard. Yep, you were too, Roger. Yeah, I mean, yes. he, you know, he was loving his life in Manhattan Beach, and he got a big family, young kids, and um, but it was a pretty intriguing spot. That's not going to come around often. That kind of talent living in New York and and working with Sean Marks, you know, who who he loves, and and uh, so he did call me like. The day he took it, a couple hours before it was announced, he he told me I was I was surprised, but you know it did not surprise me that that Sean hired him because I think Steve is perfect for for coaching. You know how could the players not respect a guy who's a two time MVP and yet has this humility and emotional intelligence that Steve has. He's the perfect guy for that job because there's a lot that could go wrong there. And he's, it seems to me he's just really running that ship smoothly and, and doing a great job.
1: I think he's honestly, if, if it all goes right, you know, I think he ha- is in the running for coach of the year with all the stuff he has no to doubt. juggle. Um, yeah, no doubt. Speaking of Brooklyn, what was it like uh, seeing Kevin come back to Chase Center? Kevin Durant.
3: Number 1 it was it was great to see him healthy you know um the way everything ended in gold state was so devastating you know for him to uh to put everything on the line in the finals and then uh, you know his Achilles was uh, heartbreaking so you know we saw them opening night in Brooklyn And then we saw him again at Chase you know a, a month ago or so and i'm just you know ha- ha- happy to see him playing again and playing at a high level I think that's the main thing. You just you want guys to be healthy. You want them to to be happy. Kevin looks like he's both. Although he has missed the last couple of weeks, which is concerning, but hopefully it's nothing serious. But uh, I think everybody with Golden State is genuinely happy for Kevin because of the kind of person he is and
1: and what he did for for our organization. Was part of you like, yo, man, he, he, you know, he was supposed to play here at Chase Center, man. Like, this is, he came to the thing. There was no party that was like, oh, no. man, it's <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> not.
2: at all. Not at all. Are we going to get messy? Am I gonna, are we going to get messy now? Are we going to get messy? I think we're Logan? getting messy. We're we getting, getting messy. messy? Roger. We're definitely
1: getting messy. Right, I had a question. <laughs> I'm
2: going to ask another one then. Um, sure. KD, obviously, those years no one would trade those, right? Like those, those are great right. years. You guys had great success and all that. Can I can I make a case though? Not 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 Steve Kerr, but can I make a case that KD being there may have to some degree uh cast a shadow on Stephs or maybe slowed down the opportunity for Steph to like squarely take the mantle? Like the league was trending. Like when I was with the the Cavs, what was it, 14, 15? You guys beat us in the in the finals. You know, it just feels like it was supposed to be the face of the league. And then maybe, you know, he got a little bit of the shine taken away by KD. And then, you know, now they're all these stars. And I still think Steph is phenomenal. Like he's playing at an MVP level. But could I make the argument that KD being there maybe did that to Steph a little bit? You could you could make the argument
3: as an as an observer of the league, but if you knew Steph, you would understand that he valued winning way more than any of that stuff. Um, sure, he you know he won back to back MVPs in fifteen and sixteen. Sixteen was unanimous, but we lost Game Seven of the finals at home, devastating. And um, for Steph, it was it, there was never even a doubt. Like let's let's win like let's give ourselves the best chance to win and and obviously adding Kevin was just an incredible coup. Steph, I guarantee you didn't care one bit about can I win another MVP? Am I going to still be, you know, the face of the I, I don't think that stuff really mattered to him. He had already done all that anyway. Right. More than anything, he just he just wanted to win.
1: What was the biggest thing you learned about yourself trying to manage all of those personalities, right? Because you have Kevin, who is, is um, one of the best players, if not at a point in time during his run, the best player in the league when you guys were uh, on the Warriors. And you have Steph, who is a two-time MVP. Then you have Draymond, who is, we both know, Draymond. How do you, what did you learn about yourself coaching that group and that nucleus?
3: Well, I, I, I didn't have all the answers. You know, I, I, I learned that. I mean, I, I, I think I knew that already, but, um, the first few years were really smooth. The first, first couple of years with Kevin were really easy. You know, he transitioned so easily into our game. It took him maybe a couple of months to feel comfortable with all the off ball movement. And I think he really enjoyed it. And so the, the, those first couple of years, it was, it was a dream. It was fun. Um, it clicked. It was beautiful to watch. I don't think basketball has ever been played at a higher level. Is that uh that seventeen two thousand was it seventeen? Yeah, two thousand seventeen when we beat Cleveland in five. Those games were ridiculous. I mean, Kyrie and and LeBron and KD and and Steph and all the talent out there shooting everywhere. I've never seen the game played at such a high level. They were incredible. Uh, Cleveland was incredible. I I thought they were a lot better than they were the year before uh, when they beat us. So it was amazing those first few years. But that last year got tough. You know, um, I think it's well-documented. Kevin was not happy. Things just weren't as joyful for us on a daily basis. I think the the grind, having been at the top of the mountain for three, four years, uh, took its toll. And... It was a it was a real challenge, and and um, it was not an easy thing to do to to try to keep things light loose, which which is the way I I like things to be. And uh,
1: so I learned
3: I didn't have all the answers.
1: Was How, when you, when you got the news? Hold on one second, Ron. One second. When, when you got bro. let's hey man, listen, just respect, go, relax, man. Just relax. go. <laughs> I'm in my bag right now. Relax. Um, <laughs> when the, when you did get the news that he was leaving. Um, You know, I mean, everybody kind of like sensed that he was going. But did you ever feel like, hey, man, there may have been something I could have done different? You know what I mean? Because I know that that comes through. When something doesn't go your way, you feel like, hey, man, maybe yeah. I could have did something to change the outcome of this. Did you have those feelings when you got the official news that I'm he's about to leave?
3: No, no. We knew he was going to leave uh, long before the summer came. We could just feel it. You know, he wasn't he wasn't happy. I I think in the end I I think he had to figure out what he wanted and I think um in my in my view I think Kevin realized he wanted to go to a new challenge you know that that he wanted something different and um who could who could argue with that yeah. so it was it was a foregone conclusion and um there was never a moment of man if I had done this if I had done that this was just you know what what Kevin wanted and and as I said um everybody team management owners everybody wished him well because those 3 years were were an incredible run
2: man that's that that now that's really kind of you know fascinating because you know from the outside looking in you we wouldn't have known you know as as early as you all did and at the end of the day he still put it all out on the line like in that playoff yeah. series injured the way he yeah. did you know and i again this isn't really a question but i had a similar experience with with phoenix having torn a calf and then having to weigh like, you know, am I, am I all in trying to win this championship here or is my future, you know, what's most important. And so yeah. like, you know, that, that's gotta be interesting. How hard was that? Like the decision behind the scenes, whether he played, you know, versus trying to, you know, protect his career. How, how hard was that for you guys?
3: You know, the, the decision um, was not actually that difficult because we left it up to the medical professionals and, you know, we had our team doctors, we had, uh, Kevin's own private doctor who he sought, um, a second opinion from. We had our trainers, um, you know, everybody was, um, was on board feeling like it was safe. And, uh, Devastatingly, it turned out not to be the case, and it it was a good reminder to me. And if there's a regret for me, um, that would be it. You know, in terms of, you know, uh, Logan, you asked, you know, could I have done anything differently? That's that's the only regret. That the reminder that you never know in medicine, you never know with the human body, right? So, with you know, all these different doctors, trainers saying he should be fine you know, should, should I, should Bob and I have stepped in and said, no, we're not, we're not allowing you to play at the time. It's, you know, it just seemed like, look, you know, I, I coached the team and we let the medical uh, professionals do their jobs. And, but the reminder that there's no guarantees of anything in, in life and health, um, that was, um, that was a difficult
2: lesson.
1: All right, let's take a quick break.
2: just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20 for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com.
1: The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two for $5 chicken wraps from Arby's come in available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. All right, time to get messy, mm-hmm. man. Did you feel that when in the finals when Kevin came back you guys are still down 3-1? do you guys feel that you were going to win that series because I felt that there was a chance. The way he came out in game 5 in Toronto and the way you guys won that, I had thought there was a chance you guys were going to win that series against the Raptors. Do you feel that way and I, even when you guys came back to Oakland, I felt like if y'all won that game you guys were going to win the series. Was there a, a was there a, a collective Feeling that hey, we still have this. We have a really good shot at winning this, even down three-one.
3: Oh, of course. I mean, you got to consider the context that you know this team had won two titles in a row and had a, a deep level of confidence. So I think everybody felt like we're going to do this. But I, I don't want to say that at the expense of uh, what Toronto was able to accomplish because they were amazing. They were fantastic, and they they deserved it. Uh, but I, you know, we all felt like. We, we have a chance and we still felt like we had a chance, if, you know, when uh, when Clay went down uh, in game six, we were at least leading that game, feeling good. And we just wanted to get get back
1: on that plane and have one one crack at it in, in game seven. But it wasn't meant to be. Man, I wanted to go to back to Toronto one more time. I was really mad at you guys. I really loved that city. It was especially I love at that Toronto. time. It was a great yeah. city. Uh, it was beautiful.
2: Beautiful. Toronto is a vibe. Um. Hey, you got two of my favorite people on your coaching staff now, Leandro Barbosa and Jaron Collins. <laughs> yes. Like, they yeah. had no real talk. They're two of my favorite teammates of all time. Yeah. And 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 yeah. Jaron's been with you for a while. Um, yeah. A head coach soon, one of these days? Is he, I mean, you know, I don't know. Like, how he's good definitely is he? interviewed a couple I times. I think he,
3: he should. Yeah, he's been interviewed a couple times. He came close uh, last year with Memphis when they hired Taylor, Taylor Jenkins. He's, I think absolutely he, he should be uh, a head coach in this league. I love, uh, Jaron. He's, uh, he's humble. He's smart. He's funny. He's, uh, quirky. <laughs> he's, he, he, he loves the game. He so loves great. to study the game. He's a great teammate. Absolutely. He should be in the mix for any job that's, that's available.
2: So what, and what is L what is LB doing? Like, I just need to know what's oh he doing. Oh my God. What, what's L, he doing? LB is,
3: LB is the best. I mean, he brings the best energy. First of all, he could still play. He, you know, I don't, I don't know how long he would survive the grind of the NBA season, but if we put him into the game tomorrow night in Memphis for, for 20 minutes, I guarantee you he would play well, score 10 or 12 points in transition, make a couple of steals. Like he can still go. Right. You know, he, uh, he's been playing professionally the last few years in Brazil. So he, you know, he's played in the, in the, uh, world cup. Uh, two summers ago like he's still got it uh, but he's transitioning you know into the coaching world and he's got the best energy with our young guys he's in player development on the court he plays in a lot of our three on three you know post-practice stuff that our young guys uh, t- take part in he's just got a great way about him and he has a current knowledge of the players who are out on the floor because he played against a lot of them yeah. you know three years ago so he's doing a great job
2: no, I just, I mean, I know Logan's got a bunch of stuff, but I mean, I imagine that's got to be really important when you're talking about kind of, you know, a staff and, and kind of, you know, it, it getting kind of tiresome at times to have that fresh blood, especially in the coaching staff that yeah. comes in there with his type of infectious energy. Because it really is infectious, right? Like that's got to yeah. be great for you guys as a staff.
3: You need that, uh, on a roster and you need it on a coaching staff too. You know, you really do need a new voice, um, fresh blood, however you want to put it. And so LB has provided that for us this year. He's been great.
1: It's crazy when we have the Suns talk because, as you know, Steve and Raja knows, I grew up a Laker fan and I hated those Suns teams. But all the more stories <laughs> that Raja tells me about, like we were supposed to get um, Boris on the pod one, like, like we're supposed to get Boris on the pod at some point. So he texts Boris and is like, Yo, is this your number? Can you come on the pod? And the text back was, rah, rah, I'm on up my boat in Panama. When do you need me? I'm like, yo, you're a legend. I love this. In hindsight, this, the Phoenix group is one of my favorite groups of all time, in hindsight. Love that group. I, I'm
3: I'm very happy with my life, but if I could be somebody else, I think I would be Boris.
2: Yeah. That guy lives.
3: What? He lives. What did I say? Right?
2: To, what did I say to you post show? You and Sasha last last uh, two episodes ago. I said I love my life. I said the verbatim what you just said. I love yeah. my life, but if I could come back as anything else, I probably would yeah, do what Boris is doing.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I love. I would. I love the Phoenix Suns in hindsight. Um How is uh How's Clay doing? Because I know last year. You know, he was hurt in the same position, but he wasn't around as much. He would he would come on the LA trips. Yeah. I think he went to a Phoenix trip or something like that. But how is he now? I know he's gonna win the team a lot more. How are his spirits and how quirky is he right now? You know, now that he's um <laughs> you now that he's like not playing and but still around the team. How's he doing? He's a, he's another quirky guy. Oh, oh
3: <laughs> yeah, no, he's quirky. He's funny. He is Clay's got the driest sense of humor. Uh, he's doing really well. You know, he's finally out of the boot, which is a huge development if you have an Achilles injury because the first couple of months, you know, you're just incapacitated. So he's now out of the boot. He, I saw him on the court the other day, just, you know, kind of taking one, one foot of jumpers. Uh, he's on the elliptical he's in the, in the pool, running in the pool, that kind of stuff. So he's doing a really good job of uh, rehab and he's ahead of schedule and, and he's around the team quite a bit. He's, he's happy and, and,
1: uh, the guys love having him around, so it's been
3: really good to to see him.
1: What, what has he been? I, he's like fucking sleeping on boats for Valentine's Day and stuff, man. I don't know if you're on Instagram like that, but he was like laying on a <laughs> boat. He's doing like weird. Is he? Is he? I remember also seeing him, um, and I feel bad for him that he did that. He that he um, that he got injured because I remember I saw him this summer just like at a deli in Oakland. And he right. was just like so juiced to say, like, hey man, I was busting Steph's ass. I'm ready to go. And in a, a, a quirky way, like he said, he was like, Yeah, man, summer's been great. I just worked out with Steph. I'm busting his ass. He's really shifty, but I think I got I, I got him a couple times.
0: And so <laughs> and
1: I'm like, bad clay. <laughs> he was really excited. How have you been able to keep his spirits up now, though? Is it is it is it a everyday thing? Is he like because he was a durable guy before this, before right, these last right. two injuries? Yeah. How is it to keep yeah. it, How is he doing with his spirits? How is he doing? Well,
3: he's doing better now, um, now that he's more mobile and and uh, he's been around the team and yeah. You mentioned the boat. He lives in Tiburon. Uh, I don't know, if, Roger, Do you know the, the Bay Area at all?
2: I know Piedmont
1: yeah all right you know, so, so he's <laughs> you know
3: Tip, Tiburon is like uh kind of over near sausalito near the closer to the uh, it's real boozing and boats than- and boats yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. but he lives over there he's got a dock and he's been taking his boat right up to chase because chase is right on the water so he's literally taking his boat to games oh. so
1: that's, that's a, a, a hell good, of a commute that, that's a pretty good that's line. a thing yeah it's All some right. Bay Area a shit, Roger. You would. It's some bougie Bay Area yeah. shit you would never understand. That is some real bougie Bay
2: Area <laughs> shit. Maybe I want to. Maybe I want be him, not Boris. I don't know.
1: Claylin's a great life
2: <laughs> too.
3: Claylin's <laughs> a great <laughs> life too. He's he's in the running for sure. Is
1: is this? I know. Take wins out of this and take losses out of this. Is this the best you've seen, Steph? Because I've I've seen him. He's mm-hmm. scoring sixty. He's has he has numbers close to his MVP level. Is this? How is this in compared to other steps? Take wins and losses out of this, just strictly him as a player. How is this? How have you? How is this version of Steph Curry?
3: Yeah, he's as good as he's ever been for sure. I mean, it, it's hard to compare him to four years ago because he had a different team around him and and those teams were like well-oiled machines. You know, he had been playing with those guys for years and everybody knew exactly what he was going to do and vice versa. This team, because it's more of a project, an ongoing project, it almost makes what he's doing even more impressive, you know, because we got these young guys and, and they're learning how to play with them. And we're not nearly as good as we were. And, and yet he's out there, doing his thing. And, and I think he's stronger than he's ever been. He's finishing at the rim at an, at an incredibly high level. And, and he's just, he's amazing to watch. I mean, what a treat to watch him play basketball every night.
1: He's also popping off a little bit more, man. He's talking a little bit more shit than I've, I'm used to seeing him. Is it? Are we seeing a bit more of his competitiveness than normal? Because you know, Steph is like, oh, I don't know. Now he's like, I ain't, I don't got to prove nothing to nobody. You know what I mean? He's getting really in his bag right now. Have you seen this this type of Steph before, or is this something that we're just new? Is new to us? Nah, he's always he's always had that. Uh, okay.
3: That arrogance—that's what tr- truly makes Steph who he is. He's got the the most incredible blend of arrogance and humility. Those mm-hmm. two things are not supposed to go together, but they one hundred percent work for Steph. You know, on the court, he he is arrogant. He thinks he's the the greatest player on earth. And then off the court, he's the most humble guy. And it's one of the reasons players you know love him so much and look up to him. And it's one of the reasons he's so great to coach because I know that. In, come game time, you know I, I got I've got the greatest shooter of all time, one of the great players of all time leading our team, and yet in the locker room, you know it's like dealing with a a guy who's the tenth guy on the bench and you know just trying to make the league. he's amazing
2: that really wow. is amazing. look, I told a story I just I, steph I, I had Steph was a rook when I got traded to Golden State so after you traded me. Larry Brown then <laughs> traded me. So now I'm in Golden State, right? And no, but it, to, to your point, Steph was super swaggy on the court, like almost one time coming out of a game and like being so into it that he doesn't even dap you up. I've told this story before where I got to grab him and be like, yo, 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 no, Doug. Like you got it. There's a dap that's like it's required. But- like two nights later, he's a rook and he's at Cafe Du Mans grabbing beignets for everybody because, like, he's a rook and that's what you do. He's you know what rook. I mean? Like, he's yeah, just got a great yeah.
3: blend of the two. Similar to similar to Steve Nash, you know, you 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 brought it up, um, Steve, and Steve didn't have the same. Uh, I don't know if if arrogance is the right word for Steve, but Steve had a similar confidence. Like Steve yep. was in control of the game, and yet was the most. Uh, Humble guy off the court. They, they actually remind me of, of each other quite a bit. Steph's got a little more, a little more flair, you know, a little more s- stuff, but that combination is, is pretty powerful. Tim Duncan, I've compared Steph to, to Timmy. Similar, you know, that's that when you have such a great player who is so beloved in the locker room because of his humility and his humor, and ability to get along with everybody. That's a, that's a grand slam.
1: Who's the better athlete out of Steve and Steph? Steve. Uh, not Steve Kerr. We already know that answer. Um, the better thats out, an out of Steve, easy one. <laughs> the better answer. Uh, we, know, we better answer uh, better at a Steve Nash and um, and Steph Curry.
3: No, Steph is Steph is. He's. Uh, but where that where they're so similar, I think I, Steph's a little faster, a little little quicker. But where they're so similar is hand eye. Like I would put their hand eye. You know what we should do? Remember that. Remember that uh, that show, Raja that uh, Steve concocted. But that Shaq stole from him. The t- oh, that oh. show,
2: the training. The training.
3: Would be, he <laughs> wait, stole wait, me. wait, he really wait, 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 wait.
1: Give context. We need context. <laughs> we need context. Bring us context. What happened? What?
2: Oh shit. He really <laughs> got messy. It? He got messy.
3: What was it called, Roger? What was I, it called? I don't
2: remember what it was called, but the premise was he was going to go train in the summers. Um, with with athletes, Olympic athletes, and and professional athletes Shaq in other took sports. that whole shit. <laughs> took the whole yes, shit. Yeah, and Shaq man.
3: took it. <laughs> so no, Shaq Shaq actually did it, and I think Steve Steve became an executive producer.
2: Yeah, you got, a it, you got a credit on Yeah, credit. Right? Okay,
3: good. Got a, yeah, but That's Shaq great. would train train against like NFL wide receivers and then compete against them, and it was actually a really, really cool concept. But my point is, I would like to see Steph and steve compete against each other in every other sport but basketball like put them on the golf course put them on the tennis court yeah. have them go bowling like these two guys have the most incredible hand eye they're they're just the kind of athletes that if you just hand them the ball or the, the glove or the rack whatever it is is, who's winning they're, a decathlon gonna
1: steve who's going to win the decathlon between those two people Gotta put it right yeah, now, Steph. Now, okay. Steph. Now, yeah, I mean,
3: right. he's okay. got you know, he's got 10, 10 fewer years All on right, his All right, You bike, took the so. easy way and, yeah, and that's a lot less <laughs> but I
2: did. Look, Steph's Steph. His golfing, you know, yeah. uh, accolades speak for themselves. But after one of those seasons, is probably, probably my last year in, in Phoenix. Like me, Sean Marks, Boris, um, Eric Piakowski, and Steve go out and we're playing. You know, we're playing some course out in, in Paradise Valley, the Phoenician, probably. Um, you know, I don't know how many beers have been, you know, imbibed, but he shoots, like, and he says he hasn't played golf in, like, five years. He shot, like, a 92. Steve Nash. You know what I mean? Like, they they, both just have
1: the knack. Like, they're just good I at was on a, I was on a green, what, two years ago with uh, with Steph and Phil Mickelson. It was uh, up in Napa. Cool. It was pretty mm. tight. It was kind of, it was It was yeah, definitely cool. a bucket list thing. It was tight. Um, but <laughs> Steph was sticking with him. Now, he's not going to be Phil Mickelson, but he was holding his own as a golfer. He's a scratch golfer. He's really good. Steph is a really good golfer, especially for something that he doesn't do full-time. But uh, I have a question for you, uh, Steve. One of my favorite pastimes you can ask anyone that knows me is to watch uh, compilations of you getting ejected. Because it's hilarious when you get really. It's, it's hilarious when you get fucking pissed off. My my favorite one is in is in Sacramento. You remember this, right? When. um When I I don't know what, I think Kavon Looney got, got fouled or something and you were sticking up for Kavon. And then I think Kevin got fouled. One of the guys got fouled and you go berserk to the point where your own players are making fun of you to get kicked out. Andre Guadala and like your (laughs) four, DeMarcus is making fun of you. Tremont is making fun of you, even though you're sticking up for your guys. When do you get to the point where you're just like, I'm going to yell at the ref to where like, fuck it, I'm going to go full out and I'm going to go full red face and I'm going to go like, ah, what? what is the, the mindset when you get ejected, Steve? What's going on in your head, man?
3: I don't know. I, I don't know. My my wife has a saying uh, about me. She says, beware the fury of a patient man. And she read it. She read it in some book and she started laughing. And I said, what are you laughing about? She goes, this, this phrase describes you. And it really does because I am extremely patient. Uh, and then I'll just snap once in a while, whether I break a clipboard or you know get ejected or whatever. And I don't know what happens. I just lose my mind. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I just kind of go off the cliff. I remember that one, though. Uh, DeMarcus was actually playing for the Kings at the time. Yeah. And so, when I got tossed, he looked right at me and he waved. <laughs>
1: He's like, see you later.
3: <laughs> and we laughed about it, you know, a couple of years later when he came to the Warriors and uh, and joined our team. We had a good laugh over that one.
1: My top two ejections for you is the Sacramento one and the one in Portland before the All-Star break. I have a... T- I I've love only, seeing you get I've ejected. Only had
3: th- I've only had three, Logan. I've only had three. I've only had three total, and my two of them were in sack. By the way, I'm not sure what it is about the Sacramento trip. Mm, I don't
2: know. I don't know. Maybe maybe around the corner. No, he got. You must have gotten ejected once or twice. Oh, me never. I was going to say you sound just like me, except without the patience. (laughs) <laughs> like I just lose my shit. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> no patience. Said, no to patience start. Just losing Yo, shit everywhere. You say that you, shit. say that you get. You say that you get ejected three times, but that doesn't mean like that. That just takes away all the times you've gotten mad at a ref, and you probably should have right. gotten ejected. And that's you got, true. That's yeah, true. So it's. It, I love that. But that's, I want to. Uh, no, no, I no, no. Fact I, check. No, uh, got, you you got to yeah, of, right? of course.
2: Mark Ivaroni, yeah. Mark Ivaroni, one of my favorite coaches <laughs> by the way. He writes me a letter. this is New Year's we're traveling from <laughs> Detroit to Chicago. All the families are with us, right? And we're all going to go out and have a great time. And I get to my room in Chicago and there's a note under the door, right? And so I'm like, who the hell would be like sliding a note under my door? I open it, you know, dear Raja and it goes through this stuff and he, he's concerned that my temper is going to eventually like cost us. He's written me this whole handwritten letter to that effect, right? So like I was, you know, I being the asshole I was, I wrote him back like, "Dear Mark, respectfully, I disagree." And I wrote, and then I proceeded to like get kicked out, clothesline, and Kobe, and almost cost us. A series. Yeah, man. He nah,
3: was right.
1: Bro. He was right. At the end of the day, Mark was right.
3: Yo, know, oh, are, are you are at,
1: you at some point, Steve? Are you gonna go back to when you when you ever you finish coaching? You gonna go back to the booth? Is that something you're gonna back go back to doing? Are you gonna be like Raja and like maybe do a podcast for The Ringer at some point? <sighs> what are you gonna do when this when it's over? <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna well, that's do What I did it?
3: during the uh, this is what I did during the pandemic. You know, yeah. Pete Carroll and I did a podcast. We had we had so much fun with it. Uh, I have no idea what what I'm gonna do. Um, mm. You know, I I'd, I'd like to keep coaching for a while. I I love this job. Uh, My kids are all, you know, grown up and out of the house and everything, or at least out of college. Uh, They (laughs) came back during the pandemic. So, but it's, no, this is a great, uh, great job. And uh, who knows? We'll see where it all goes.
1: Now, the most important question of this podcast, Steve, um, I know you watch Succession. I'm a big Succession fan. Is Kendall Roy going to take over the Business One and he's going to be successful at it. I have my doubts. I want to know your answer on this, Steve. What the fuck is going to happen? We need a prediction right now.
3: I don't think any of the four kids are capable of taking over the company and, and being successful. I think that's fairly obvious given the the show's progression to this point. They're all quite flawed. So uh, I, I do think that Kendall will take over. And I think uh, all hell is going to break loose. There's my pr- Prediction. And like what, always what show logan is, is gonna
1: and like always a logan is gonna have to save the day it is a great show on <laughs> hbo raja that you need to watch you should really? catch up honestly it's two seasons you, you, by the time they by the time yeah. this happens you should be able to catch up oh, go in lock in we're we're a yeah. hey, steve we're in the bridgerton now and i'm not sure if you're in bridgerton but bridgerton is a shit you should tap into bridgerton on, on uh, i haven't, haven't watched it you like it it, I l- it's good Steve I'm gonna holler at you in about a month or so and you need to watch Bridgerton okay. dog um, <laughs> alright being Roger All right. I, I have a fan club on the ringer right now um, but yeah <laughs> I appreciate you coming on bro <laughs> this was dope man we've been telling <laughs> you to come on man uh, we'll, we'll see you soon friend of the show bro come by anytime man we'll talk we'll lock in with you soon
3: that was fun I enjoyed it guys thanks yes, for sir. having
1: me The show.